So good to see you today. Welcome to Edge Church. And today we're celebrating the vision of Edge Church and all that God is doing. Um, our 10-year anniversary is going to be this fall. And uh, we're just so excited about the future of Edge Church. And I think sometimes the greatest way to anticipate what God is going to do is to understand what God has done. And so today we're going to talk about the vision of Edge Church. Uh, several months ago, we took the kids skiing up in the mountains. We pulled into a gas station in Idaho Springs. And when I uh, was filling the car up with gas, I looked around behind me and I saw this sign and it said ski rental, espresso, burritos, and then it had a coffee sign. And I was like, well, what kind of place is this, man? I mean, do they sell toys too? Do they have takeout Chinese? I mean, you know, because I don't know about you, but I would never eat a burrito from a ski shop. And if I was going to drink some espresso, I can think of half a dozen other places that I would go and drink some espresso other than this place right here. And I thought, well, what kind of place is this? Uh, and then it occurred to me that sometimes the church is kind of like the ski rental, burrito, espresso, coffee shop. We try to be everything, and we, we do a mediocre job at, at everything instead of being really good at maybe a few things. I, I can just imagine that maybe the espresso was not that great there. And if the ski rental was off the hook, they probably wouldn't have to sell burritos, amen? Now, I could see maybe like, you know, snowboards and ski rental and lift tickets. Okay, I, I get all that. But when you start throwing the burritos in with the skis and the espresso, you have to look at that and go, wow, what's going on over there? What is that about? Sometimes the church, sometimes the church can be about everything and in reality be about nothing. That's why today we need to celebrate the vision and understand the vision that God has given us as a local body and as a local expression of what he wants to do right here in our own church. A vision is a clear picture of where you want to go and how God is going to direct you. Our mission statement here at Edge Church is people helping people find and follow Christ. People helping people find and follow Christ. I love that statement because it, it, it implies that all of us together have a part in the mission and the ministry and the vision of what God is doing. It's people helping people. It's not just me helping people. It's all of us together, people helping people so that, so that people can find and follow Christ so people can find and follow Christ. Proverbs 29, 18 is a great scripture. It says, where there is no vision, the people what? The people perish, right? Yeah. People die when they don't see where they're going. Our community dies when the church doesn't understand what it's called to do. Uh, you could also say, where there is no vision, the people get confused. <laughs> you might say, where there is no vision, the people get frustrated. When you, you could also say that where there is no vision, people are uncertain about what they're doing and what they're about. And that's why it's so important for us to clarify these things and to talk about them. Um, our, our core values at Ed Church, I think, reveal a lot about us. We talk about this at the 101 class that we'll be having 
next weekend. We talk about them. We have them plastered on the wall. But I just can't get enough of talking about the core values because I think values in an organization always express what a church is really all about. And I've seen many churches that have 20 or 15 uh, values. And my personal opinion is if you have to have 15 or 20 values, you don't really value anything because, again, you, you, that's like selling burritos and skis at the same time, right? So we've worked hard to boil this down. When we moved here in 2008 and started the church in 2009, I met with a leadership coach, and he said, Ryan, tell me the vision that God has put in your heart. And I began to describe that to him, and he helped me put these words together to express the vision that God had given us. And uh, it's been something that's been with us for all these years. Um, the first is life transformation. And life transformation is so significant because in the early church in Acts 2.47, um, the book of Acts says the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. I mean, can you just get this in your mind for just a moment? In the early church, people were following Jesus, not just on Sunday, but every day. I mean, in the parks and in the neighborhoods, and in the schools, and in the business community, people were following Jesus, and that was the norm. And it says, and the Lord was just adding to their number daily. We want to see lives transformed here at Ed's Church. We want to see people come to know the Savior. We want to see marriages reconciled. We want to see addictions broken. We want to see spiritual impact in our community, life transformation and great visions I'm convinced come out of a bother and I have a few bothers can I share those with you I'm bothered Nehemiah was bothered he was bothered that the city walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed and that that sacred Jewish city had been decimated he had a bother and he rebuilt the city walls Solomon had a bother and he rebuilt or he built the temple and then later on it was rebuilt but he had a bother. I have a bother. The bother is this. The bother is that the church in general is not reaching people. I have a bother. I grew up in a church, a great church, an awesome church. But a church in many ways that was for Christians only. The church is for the world. The church is for the community. We need to be about reaching the people. We've designed a church here that is welcome, welcoming to everyone. Because a lot of people need Christ. A lot of people need the Savior. And, and that's the mission of the church. And so the people that are not here yet are the only people that don't have a voice in the church. And if you're not careful and you listen to all the voices of the people that are here, you will only do things for church people and not for the people that are not here yet. But the way that we keep our vision red hot on reaching people is we're always thinking about the seats. We're always thinking about the people that need to know the Savior around us. A lot of times I look out and I see these chairs and I think about I think about the people that need to be here. I think about the neighbors that I've invited. I think about the people who have spiritual needs. And the seats are so valuable because they remind us that lives need to be transformed. 
And this was true in the early church, and it's true today. We live in a time where very few people follow Christ. If you follow the Lord in our culture, in our city today, you're unusual. You're different. You're not like everybody else. But what a great opportunity we have. The church is to be about reaching the people. Life transformation. Life transformation. We're also about levels of excellence. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Why are we passionate about what, whatever we're doing at Edge Church? Because we do it as unto the Lord, not just for the applause of people. So the way we welcome people, the way we serve, the way we give, the way that, that we uh, encourage, the way that we minister, the way that we do whatever it may be, we want to do it with all we've got because we do it to the Lord and to the glory of God. Levels of excellence. We want to have a great church. We want to have a church that brings honor and glory. We want things to be done well, right? Amen? Does anybody want to be a part of a sloppy church? Falling apart church? Can't get anybody to volunteer church? No. We want to give God the best. Man, when you're serving, I want to encourage you to come early. I'm telling you, I hope that when you wake up in the morning on Sundays, you say a prayer before you come to church. God, use me. Save somebody. Do something great today, God. And you come with a spirit of excellence and expectation. Loyalty is also another value of our church. And here's one of the scariest verses in the Bible for a pastor. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Loyalty. Loyalty is a huge value. Why? Because you know what? In many churches, there's divisions and factions. I talk to pastors almost every month that have been removed from their churches, not for moral or ethical reasons, but just because some people got upset. Happens all the time. I told Gina a couple of years ago, I said, this is crazy. I'm one of the most tenured pastors in this part of our city, and I still feel like the new guy. And that's because so many churches run off their pastors, and they don't, they're not around. There's divisions in the church. There's problems. Our church is governed in a different way that protects the vision of the church. But listen, division can always cause problems in a body. Amen? It can. And so we have to get under the leadership that God has put over us so we can accomplish the vision that he's put before us. Amen? We can't do it otherwise. And listen, when people are fighting and there's conflicts, people's eyes are certainly not on the Lord. And I can tell you, they're certainly not on reaching people. Those things go out the window. Loyalty. Loyalty. Well, when we lose that vision, we stop dreaming, we stop working, we stop focusing on what God is saying. We're kind of like my old cat when I was growing up. Moetta was our cat. Moetta used to chase her tail. Moetta was a stray cat that we kind of took in. We had no idea what we were about to take on. 
Moetta lived from the time I was in second grade till after I graduated college. She was one of those old cats that would not die. And Moetta was half crazy. Moetta was a hunter. She would hunt birds, lizards. She would like injure the lizard on the back patio and watch it squirm like with two legs, you know. And then she would let it run across. Then she would pounce on it again. She was, she was just crazy. Sometimes she would attack my brother and I, biting and scratching. I'm not sure why we didn't send her to the whatever they send the bad cats to, you know. We kept her around. But Moetta used to chase her tail. And she could entertain herself for hours just chasing that tail. She would almost get it, and then, lo and behold, the tail would move. Oh, my goodness. You know what? When we don't see the vision, we do a lot of tail chasing. It's chasing our tail. Well, here's why the vision matters. Samuel, uh, the, the prophet, as a young boy, this is the commentary on his life, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. I wonder today if the 21st century is kind of like the time of Samuel. The word of God is rare. I've been thinking about that sentence this week. The word of God was rare. I think the word of God is rare today. Would you agree? The word of God is rare. It's rare because we're not talking about the word. Many people are not practicing the word. And here's what's crazy. The Bible is more available today than it has been at any other time in the history of Christendom. And the word of God is more rare. That's why the church matters. That's why the ministry matters. That's why what we do here matters so much because we live in a time where the word of God is rare and there's so much apathy and indifference to what we see. Well, what does God want us to do? He wants us to rise up. I've titled this series Rise Up because in the Bible, when the term rise up is used, it is always used to describe someone who is conquering an obstacle or accomplishing a task. Amen? And God wants the church to what? Rise up. Rise up. Not lie down, but to rise up. Rise up in that vision. Rise up in the calling that God has for us. Nehemiah 2.18 says, And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been upon me for good, and also for the words which the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us Rise up and build. Yeah. And so they strengthened their hands for the good work. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up, church. It's time to rise. Well, many of you know when I'm not here at the church, <clears throat> I love to coach my youth basketball team. Can I brag for a minute? We were down by seven last weekend. And the team rose up. We had lost the first two games. It was kind of embarrassing. Everybody was kind of discouraged. And with 10 seconds to go, I called a timeout. We had the ball at half court. I got the coach's clipboard out. I drew up a play. And guess what? It actually worked. It doesn't always go like that. Zane threw the ball into our big power forward. He drove down. Hit the basket. There was like five seconds left. Oh, it was too late. Awesome. We won by one point. 
I think our team did something that day that began to change the way that we thought about our season. We began to rise up. We want to win. We're tired of getting pushed around. We're tired of losing. We want to rise up. I wonder if the church should say the same thing. Does anybody here want to be a part of a church that sucks? Does anybody want to be a part of a church that is half-hearted? We got to rise up. We got to rise up. Now, one of the ways that we begin to do that, to rise up, is through our giving. You know, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We can rise up through our giving. It's one of the most important ways that we can rise up. And the scripture calls this tithing. In fact, in Leviticus 27.30, the scripture says, A tenth of the produce of the land where the grain or fruit is the Lord's and it's holy. What is a tithe? A tithe is that first tenth, that, that sacred tenth portion that goes to the Lord. And Leviticus said it like this. It said that whatever your revenue streams may be, I mean, it says there whether it's from the land or the grain or the fruit, whatever it may be, Whatever your increase is from, the tithe comes from whatever you make. And a tenth belongs to God. In other words, God has given us 100% of everything. And he says, you know what? I just want 10 back. You can keep 90 and do whatever you want to do with that. I just want the sacred portion. I just want the tenth. I just want the tenth. Why should I tithe? Well, we have a vision many times for our retirement, for our 401k, for our children, for our education, for our mortgage, for our whatever it may be, fill in the blank. But I want to ask you today, are you a part of the vision here at Edge Church? Because God has a vision for the church as well. And when we rise up in that vision through giving, we're a huge part of what God wants to do in our community. So we have to rise up. The practice of tithing provides a regular reminder of our dependence on God. Now, why is tithing important? Look at this in Deuteronomy 14, 23. This is, this is incredible. <clears throat> Bring the tithes to the designated place of worship. That's your, local, that's your local house. The place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. And eat it there in the presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, firstborn males of your flocks and herds. And check this out, this last phrase. Doing this will teach you to always fear the Lord your God. Why do we bring tithes? It teaches us that God is always first. It keeps us reminding that. God's first. I'm living by faith. My confidence is in God. I, 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 it's, it's not just about what I can accomplish. It's about the Lord. And it teaches us to put God first. It teaches us what our priorities are. I looked at a, a little statement the other day. Um, of our spending and on that um, thing I had um, uh, kids piano lessons you know and we put the kids in piano because we want them to be artistic and to be musical like Gina and so they play piano we had uh, Gina's Mother's Day gift can somebody say amen <clears throat> oh she's getting the hook up this Mother's Day it's awesome okay uh, there was also uh, we went out to eat a few times there was uh, a new shirt that I bought for myself because pastor fashion 
is got to be on point every single weekend here at Edge Church. The bar is set high. I'm just saying. And so that was on there. That's a priority. <laughs> that's, that's, that's high. That's high. And then there was the tithe. There was the tithe. I'm convinced the greatest way to see what our real focus and the things that we value is just look at our spending. Just look, just look at where the money goes. I mean, the money don't lie. Amen? Yeah, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It reveals so much about where we are. And again, the tithe teaches us to put God first. It teaches us to put God first. Deuteronomy 8.18 said, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to gain wealth. Oh, my goodness. How many salespeople do we have today? Anybody salespeople? All right, I love salespeople. Amen. How many um, contractors do we have? We have some contractors. What about IT people? Come on. Okay. Those guys keep, okay, I, amen. All right, right there. Keeping the data right. Okay, good. Project managers. We have any project managers? Anybody? Okay, some, somebody over here. Okay, good. Good. Um, <clears throat> we have nurses, school teachers. Anybody? Okay, good. Taking care of everybody. Awesome. Listen, I got some great news. God is the one who gave you the ability to do what you do. You know that? See, you don't do what you do just because you're like, I have a great personality. Whoa! <clears throat> you know? I got great connections. I have such a fantastic education. No, 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 no. God gave you the ability. <clears throat> and God gave you the ability to earn wealth. And without God... You wouldn't have any ability. It's all from him. So the moment that we start to look around and go, man, this is all my stuff. I look at all the stuff that I'm doing. I'm so big and bad and I'm climbing the ladder and everybody thinks I'm the bomb.com and all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> Remember, it is God who's the one that gave you the ability to do what you do in the first place. It was all from him. Well, how do I tithe? I'm convinced that most Christian people really do want to tithe. The question is, how do I tithe? Most people are like, tithing's a good thing. I meet very few people that are like, I'm against tithing. You know, I'm like, lightning's about to strike. Oh my gosh, you know. Um, most people are like, that's a good thing. Doggone it, I wish I could do it. You know, like, how do I put that into practice? All right, so let's talk about that. Well, <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians 16 two, on the first day of the week, each of you should set aside something aside uh, and save it in keeping with how uh, he is prospering so that no collections will be need needed to make when I come. In other words, Paul says there's intentionality with giving. You have to plan it out. If you wait to the end of the month to start giving, there will never be enough. You, it, it has to be intentional. It has to be budgeted. It has to be planned. Um, people who don't plan their finances never have enough. People who plan the way they're going to spend, guess what? It's amazing what you can do when you have a plan. So it should be premeditated, it should be thought through, and it should be anticipated. And then he says a little bit later in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8, this is the attitude with which we should give, and this is so important. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, say it with me, cheerful giver. So listen, don't bring your check or... Don't go to the giving kiosk after church with a grumpy smirk on your face. <clears throat> don't come to church all angry. When we have offering time, I don't want to see you get depressed. God 
loves a cheerful giver. And you know what? The more you give, the more you're like, I enjoy this. I like to see the church rise up. I like it when people follow Jesus. I get excited when people get baptized at church because I know that my contributions are making a difference in the lives of people. And so I get cheerful and I get happy and it feels good on the inside. Woo! You know, God loves that cheerful giver. Um, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, back to the budgeting. Let me show you this. Check this out because I know some of you are like, I want to tithe. I just am scared. Check it out. We got to put the big rocks in first. Okay? Leviticus tells us the tithe is first. This is our budget. Okay? This is our line item. Rock number one. Guess what? The tithe. When the tithe goes first, everything begins to work out. Okay? So the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put the tithe in there, but I'm also going to put in, like, how about some housing? How many of you believe it would be great to have a place to live? That would be good? Great idea. Yeah. Maybe some food. Can I get a witness today? Okay. Some food would be awesome. Maybe some transportation might be great. Um, Maybe some other bills that you have. Okay, that might be good. And you might want to pay down some of your student loan debt. Okay, all right. So you put the big rocks in first, and then you pour the sand around it. Okay, and the sand represents things that you spend money on, but you don't have to have. Right? Like lift tickets. Right? Like Bronco tickets. I know that's a revelation to somebody. Bronco tickets are awesome, and I hope you have lots of them, but you can live without them, right? The latest iPhone, all right, it won't kill you to have one version back, okay? And when you put the big rocks in first, and then you pour the sand around it, guess what happens? You have enough. But here's how many people manage their money. They put the sand in first, And so we're spending, 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 spending on funny stuff. And we're like, I have a mortgage. And then we're like, oh, my goodness, the kids need groceries. What am I going to do? And then we think, wow, I need to uh, go somewhere. I got to travel. I got to get to work. And then by the time the end of the month comes around, then we're trying to figure out, well, how can I tithe? And then we're, then we're like, wait a second, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Because all of the sand has been poured in first. And therefore, there's, there's nothing that's left. It really starts with the priorities. Listen, if you'll put the big rocks in first, you'll have enough to do whatever God has purposed for you to do. we got to put the big rocks in first. Here's another thought, too. Most people, when they get an increase, raise their spending level immediately to that same level. I was thinking about the money that I made at the first church, which was, I don't know why I was thinking about the money I made, because I didn't make any money, you know. (laughs) But the first ministry job, I was like, Gina, how do we live on that? That's crazy. This was a long time ago. It seems absurd, doesn't it? Like, how do people live on that? That was my thinking. Well, a lot of times we raise our standard of living. And I'm not saying that you can't have nice things because I like nice things. and That's awesome. But they have to all be proportional. 
right? It's all got to fit. It's all got to fit right here. As your, as your increase, as your, as your income rises, keep your expenses modest so you have margin, so you can save, so you could help somebody else, and most importantly, so that you can tithe. A lot of times we're like, oh, I got to raise it this much. I'm going to go spend all of it today. Yes. And then we're like, why don't I have anything? <laughs> Where did it go? Put those big rocks in first. Wow. Big rocks in first. Here's what Tammy Dodson, you guys know Tammy, many of you do. <clears throat> she started tithing. She wrote this email a few months ago. She said, I get paid once a month, so I took the 90-day tithe challenge, which is something that we do here at the church. I was worried that I wouldn't make it to the next month without dropping into my savings. I also decided to start in November not thinking about the expensive holiday season. Not sure if this was a blessing or not, but my PayPal account got hacked at the beginning of December, so I was out my shopping credit card, she has in quotes, about eight days into early December. Upon reflecting on this situation, not having access to this card made me aware of all the silly stuff that I was spending my money on via PayPal, Apple Pay, Amazon Prime. By reprioritizing my spending habits, I made room to give to God. I put the big rocks in first. Whoa. When December, uh, my December paycheck hit and the credit card statements came, I had plenty of money to tithe right away and to pay all my bills without using any of my savings. I even made it to January payday with money still in my checking account. Then I thought this tithing thing would catch up with me in January because this was really when all of the Christmas bills would come due. Amazingly, it didn't. Tithing is not, uh, has now become a normal practice for me and giving joyfully for the last five months has been a great joy. I pay all my bills with the week I get paid. The first check I write is my tithe. I look forward to it every month. I'm so glad I took the 90-day challenge, and I look forward to becoming more generous. Is that awesome or what? It's amazing. It's amazing what God can do. But I'll tell you, the reason that all of this matters so much is because it's about the vision, and the vision is about the people. I got this email from a young girl that was coming to our church. She's not a girl. She's a young lady. And she just moved to Florida, but she wrote this to me before she left. She said, my sister invited me to Edge Church a few years ago around the time that the church moved into the new facility. My sister committed her life to Christ at Edge Church and decided to bring me. So I started coming on and off a few years ago, but three weeks ago, something pretty amazing happened. I came to church seeking answers because I hit a new low and I realized I needed help. I was really discouraged about where I was in life and I felt like coming to church again might help. That Sunday, Pastor Ryan preached a message while shooting baskets called Bouncing Back. <laughs> she said the big idea was if you miss a shot, you get the rebound and God wants everybody to have a second shot. That Sunday, I decided to commit my life to Christ. And since then, I've attended the Christian Basics study. I joined a connect group and I got baptized. Is that amazing? That's great. That's why we're here, right? That's why God wants us to rise up in the vision 
and be a part of all that he wants us to do because people matter and people matter so much to God. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer?